What is going on, everyone? This is episode 19 of the Attack for Zero podcast. As always, I'm your host, Carter Noble. Uh, rejoined this week by our wonderful co-host, Carl Wilkin. Carl, what's the good word, man? Uh, I get, I'm so glad to be back. Uh, it was nice having a week off, but I, I miss talking about magic. Uh, wife doesn't <clears throat> care so much for magic like everybody else does, so. I mean, to be fair, we still talked a lot all week. Just, you know, we didn't get to record our thoughts through the week. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so even though you weren't here, you uh you were in the loop of what was going on with everything. So. Yeah. Uh, Want to so think? Where do we where are we starting this week, man? What's going on? Uh, last week you guys didn't really talk about any of the tournament stuff from the Mythic Championship, so I figured we could talk about the London Mulligan a little bit. Um, kind of what I got to watch it because I was off pretty much that entire weekend, so I got to kind of just soak it in and take it in the tournament and see kind of what was going on with it. Um, I went back and watched the the top eight of it that Monday or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I got to watch a little bit of it too and actually see how impactful it was. Um, I know I was listening to the game podcast this week and they were talking. Uh, Jerry was talking about how you know they had to keep track of how many times they mulliganed and like all these other statistics that they wanted to that Watsy wanted them to keep track of so they could actually have good data behind it too so i'm really interested in seeing where this actually goes mm-hmm. because all the all the feedback and everything i've heard is just this is fantastic we should do this um from what i have heard and seen and in my own play testing with the london mulligan i feel like it's fine i don't see a reason why it shouldn't be implemented by watsy probably at the beginning of the next uh, at, be, at least beginning of the next year if not sooner um, I I own a lot of the degenerate degenerate decks that people were worried about, and in playing with the London Mulligan, I really didn't see an uptick in win percentage as much as everyone was led to believe. Uh, I know, well, yeah, you know, because the big thing is, is yeah, sure, you get to to do your busted thing more often, but people also just have their sideboard cards way more often too. Exactly. Um, like dredge was real like everyone was scared of dredge and the faithless looting decks like is it phoenix being really really good and just having these nut hands that just explode onto the battlefield that didn't happen as often like yeah i get to go digging deeper for these cards but so do you <laughs> yeah um, so i'm go ahead i'm concerned to see how it affects the eternal formats like specifically legacy and vintage just because we don't have any kind of coverage or anything for them with it. So it's all just data from MTGO. Yeah. So, you know, we, we actually <clears throat> have no idea what's going on with them or anything else. So I'm interested in seeing where that actually goes. Um, I think I noticed with the London Mulligan, the mid-range decks got a whole lot better. Um, also, humans as an Aether Vile deck... I don't know how many other Aether Vial strategies there were, but I know uh, it got a whole lot better and ended up winning the whole uh, the whole thing at the end of it all. Uh, I know Tron put up great numbers day one, and then... It fell off kind of there it, on, it on day two. It kind of just... Two. I think it was because part um, they were ready for it, people were ready for it, and when you use that much of the game metagame percentages, 
and that much people are prepared for you, it's gonna it's gonna impact your win percentage for sure. Um, the biggest win percentage and one of the decks I kind of figured would get better was uh, Ad Nauseam and Titan Shift. These are decks that are like they're they're so much they're more resource based and cards in hand than what like mulligan to good hands, but their win percentages just went up significantly. Ad Nauseam's win percentage day one was what was it like like some near sixty five percent or something like that. Man, that's really high. And then uh, day two Titan Shift was up near that as well at about sixty three or sixty four, which. Both of these decks aren't decks that were expected to be really good with Blood and Mulligan because they are resource-based. They just need a massive amount mm-hmm. of cards. I don't know. So it's interesting to see, now that now that we actually have these numbers per se, that, yeah, they're still just fine. They get to do the thing more often. Um, let's see here. What other numbers did I want to talk about? Um, humans had a 60% win rate through day two, I think is what the other, is the other real big number. Yeah. Humans had a 60% win rate, uh, on day two, uh, at 10, at t- about 10% meta share, which I could see that the Aether Vile decks do get better with better mulligans because they just get to like their hand. They have Vile more often. They have Vile plus land or whatever. Vile plus one drop more often than Vile no and just nothing else so the eighth of Vile decks really got just like a surge and up an uptick in strength because they get to kind of pick through what their eighth of Vile on one target is going to be and their eighth of Vile on two targets going to be so yeah i'm uh i'm very interested in seeing where they go with this i think that overall um i you know i, I got to play it with it a little bit in cube so i can say that there it was really sweet but, you know, it, it wasn't impactful. It wasn't broken, anything like that. It was just, yeah, this is fine. So, um, I like, it, it, there, was, there was games where I, like, mold to four. I'm like, yeah, this is just playable. And, like, we're actually going to have a game. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very interested in seeing what they do. Um, overall, I'm very satisfied with it. I would be uh, very satisfied if they actually implemented it. So... We'll see where it goes and go from there. Um, a disclaimer. Uh, that Neoform deck, whatever it is, the turn one kill you deck. Yeah, deck's sweet. The deck's really good. It's it's good with the London Mulligan, but you're not going to get to turn one everyone all the time. It's about crucial brand consistency, kind of like that. Yeah, from what I heard, turn one rates on it with the London Mulligan is like 25%. Which that's... Which like, that's still astronomically high for a turn one kill. Yeah. And, like, I I could see them, like, implementing it and then saying, you know, and, and then, like, adding to the ban list because of it. Um, I, I don't think they're going to say, oh, because of this one deck, we're not going to. The question then becomes, what do they ban from the Neoform deck to just nip it in the Sin bud? Spirit Guide. I mean, I wouldn't be mad at that. Fast mana is a problem. We should not have that. Like, also, free spells are a problem. Get this Allosaurus Rider out of here. Or, you know, we can get rid of, I don't know, Mana Morphos. Yeah. To get rid of some consistency. Because the deck has to have green-blue on, too, and if it doesn't have Botanical Sanctum, 
or makes breeding really bull hard. makes it really hard. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's several little things they can do to say, yeah, this is fine, but we're going to do a little bit of something to switch it up, you know? Yeah. So, so is that going to do it for Mythic Championship? Oh, London Mulligan rule discussion, or do you want to? Is there anything else you want to add to that? Um, decks to pick up at the London Mulligan rule is going to be like real popular. Uh, Harden scales gets better. I I think Mox Opal decks get much better. Yes, uh, Harden scales in particular because when you're centered around one specific card and you get to go find that one specific card, pretty much you can Mulligan down to three and still be fine. <laughs> Uh, so that was another one of the decks that had a real high win percentage day one at almost 60%. And, um, Humans has adapted finally and caught back up. Humans is just a good deck. It was just a good deck before. It just didn't match up right in the meta to begin, like, at that time. Um, I think you should stay away from the War Prison strategies. I think they definitely... I think they get, like, as... You know, if we're saying Mox Opal decks are good, what makes you say this one is not? Uh, War Prison is another one of those decks where you need an abundance of cards to be able to do your stuff. Um, the whole point of War Prison is to play as many zeros and one drops as you can with your improvised effect to wear out to whatever hate or lock piece you need. Um, plus, War Prison, they've had time to adjust to War Prison strategy. Um, the, the cards that beat War Prison don't always beat Affinity. It's like it's kind of like how Hardened Scales picked up when Stony Silence picked up, because Hardened mm-hmm. Scales didn't really care. Hardened Scales is just playing dudes that don't really have activated abilities that have to kill you with them. They just here's all my dudes. Whereas Affinity has to like equip a hat. War Prison has to tap all these mana rocks and stuff like that. I, I'm just not a big fan of War Prison in general right now. It's um, fair. It was good against the Is it Fe- like they attuned it against the Is it Phoenix decks, but that's about where it stopped. Golgari Midrange still kind of beats up on where Prison. Dredge doesn't really care about where Prison. Where it just it's a race to a bridge, and if you hit a bridge, cool. We'll move on to game two where I get to bring in all eight of these cards that you have to dodge. Yep. Um, any midrange deck seems fine right now, especially with Modern Horizons coming out and. Two weeks? Uh, three weeks? Four weeks? Is it a month? It's longer than that, isn't it? No, it's, it's, like the... it's in June. Oh, good lord. Is it actually, man? Yeah. Because so it's... When does preview season start? Here shortly, then, it's, right? It's here shortly. It's either... I think it's next week or the week after next. Um, <laughs> man, alright. So we're gonna go from War of the Spark previews into Modern Horizon previews here soon. When Modern Horizon previews end, we're going to probably be getting ready. I don't it really says we're getting ready for a course at 2020. Good Lord, man. We have a lot of stuff coming up. And the Modern Horizons special is because they have the pre-release sport and all that stuff. So that's why they're doing oh, I all that. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, which that'll be a whole other bucket of worms once we get to it. Guess we'll figure it out when we get there, man. Yeah, we will figure it out as we go. Let's go on to standard. I've been excited. I've been playing arena a lot on my in my days off that I've had. Standard's great. They're 
that's that's all the standard talk we need this week. Right? Yep, yep, that's all. We all need. right, cool. See you next week, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for the. So, what do you? Where do you want to start? Uh, we had SCG Richmond this past weekend. Yep. Um, do you want to start there? Sure. Want to jump in your stuff? What do you want to do? Let's man? go with. Let's start with the events, and then we'll talk about what I'm excited about. Um, okay, so we had Richmond this weekend. Uh, congrats to Will Pulliam for for winning with Mono Red. Um, how surprised were you that Mono Red won this weekend? Not very. I, okay, knew, cool. I knew Mono Red was a good. <laughs> I knew Mono Red was good, and Mono Red always does always does well in week one. It's just it tests all the other decks. It's like, how well is your deck doing at what it's supposed to do, and can it beat what I'm doing? It's kind yep, of it's, so... it's the gatekeeper. So we had a mirror match between Will Pulliam and Collins Mullen in the finals. Um, the the big difference here is Chandra Mullins. I... Mullins had Experimental Frenzy post board and Risk Factor main, and Pulliam had uh... Um, Chandra Chandra Fire Artisan over. Uh, over risk factor main board and no experimental frenzies in the side yeah uh chandra fire artisan is very good it looked very good on camera i was very I got impressed to watch the, i got to watch the finals and it was just like I, you know when when i heard it was a mono red mirror i'm just like all right i guess i'll turn it on whatever and then i'm just like what do you mean it's turn seven no one has a board and everyone's at 19 yeah, so what's great is I've been playing Monterey on Arena, and that's kind of what the mirrors boiled out into is you make you pretty much becomes a top deck war who can land their four mana like accelerant first. Yeah, they're they're haymaker basically. You yeah, they're card advantage. Like because you know, like specifically with Chandra, like not only is it extra cards, but eventually it's going to dome them. Chandra actually just says Neg Seven win the game in this deck. Yeah, because not only do you get to draw seven cards, but it also sevens them. So like it's just so much extra damage there, just waiting to have happen. And like, of course, you can't attack into Chandra because then you're taking damage from it. It's just Chandra's really good in this deck. Mm-hmm. I I legitimately think. Uh, Pulliam's deck is like spot on where you want to be if you're playing mono red right now. Um, Tybalt was also very impressive against the decks like that wanted to gain life and kind of just like play this game that kind of just outstall them. I specifically remember a conversation I had last week that someone said they think Tybalt is bad and that it's not worth the spot in the sideboard. And man, are they wrong. I specifically said Tybalt is playable in any aggressive red deck in this format because it prevents them from gaining life, and it's basically red lingering souls. Yep. How long till they ban this one to join Ferocidon? I mean, if Ferocidon is too good, clearly Tybalt is too good. Like, (laughs) Tybalt, it's harder to interact with than a than a Ferocidon, uh, and it protects itself. It protects itself know? by making dudes like same mana cost, but, so it comes but down. They to are turn. they are very different cards, you know. Yeah, like Ferocidon is uh 
very aggressive. Oh, yeah. Whereas, like, this is not. So, for Ostodon, uh, one, it has Menace, so, like, you can actually attack. Yeah. Like, and the way to beat Menace is you go wide so you can block it, but it punishes you for going wide by dealing damage to you every time you play a creature. Yeah. And you can't gain life, which is, like, the other way you beat Mono Red. Exactly. So, like, is, like, people, when, when it was banned, I, I even remember going, what, what do you mean that's the card you're gonna take? <laughs> that doesn't do anything! And, like, looking back, could you imagine this red deck with Ferocidon? Uh, it'd be very scary. I don't, I don't want to live that life. Having, go, like, having Veraska's Contempt and Moment of Craven and these easy, like, these life gain... Absorb! Yeah. Like, you it know, just turns like, off all of this stuff. Like, Absorb is now harder to cast Cancel. Yep. And I'm not about that. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm good, man. As a guy who's been playing a lot of Esper, I'm good. Um, anything else different? These between dire, what these, and what? Between the first and second, between Poliums and Molens. Direfleet Daredevil also seems really good for the mirror. I was looking at that, and I think that's probably, like, my most impressive card out of the sideboard. Like, um, I don't like, I don't like Rekindling Phoenix in the mirror, just because, like, I, I, I just don't think it's where you want to be. I think you just want to, like, try to get to your your haymaker in in chandra over over playing phoenix mm-hmm. like i don't think that's the four mana spell you want to be casting whereas like i could i could definitely see having daredevils in the mirror i don't think war boss is where you want to be risk factor is insane risk factor interesting enough as as good as it is in like the mirror and stuff it's not very good against like any blue deck now because of how how prevalent narset's been yeah narset's been super popular in the blue lists um just be like yeah you can draw your one card i don't care yeah like you you want to talk about cards of the weekend narset's everywhere um i if we had if we had to go back and redo top tens uh narset is insane narset's like back up near the top of the list yeah cards i think we missed on are Narset and Ugin. Oh, God. And I, I think those great. two cards are just insane now that we've actually got to play with them. Like, so the reason Ugin is so good isn't the, like, his static ability doesn't matter. It literally has no text, basically, in standard. Yeah. But, like, the fact that, like, he generates card advantage plus blockers for himself, and he can deal with basically any permanent other than another Ugin. So it gives access to, like, Grixis has access to destroying a wilderness reclamation now. Bant can actually destroy a creature or planeswalker. Yep. Like, Ugin does a lot of different things that, like, we just did not catch on. Um, I went back and listened to last week's episode, and the question y'all got, um, the most overrated cards in current standard, like, in war. Mm-hmm. Remember how hard I was on Liliana? <laughs> Dude, it's not that I think Liliana's bad, but I I definitely don't think she deserves the price tag she has right now. 
I, I'm Ugin, still in the Ugin camp. Is the, six, is the six drop planeswalker I would rather cast. Like Liliana's still in the camp for me of just being this overly like overrated, big, powerful black planeswalker that everyone thought was going to warp the format and make all of these matchups super good. Um, playing with her on arena and like watching her on camera, I have not been impressed at all. Like Ugin does a so, much better job of dealing with the cards that I have problems with and creating advantage for me over Liliana making a two, two. And if the two, two dies, I get to draw a card. Ugin does the same thing. <laughs> True. You, you are correct. Um, and and if you're ulting with Liliana, you've probably won the game anyway. You you were going to win that game regardless. Exactly. So like, the ult Ugin, the ult just takes Ugin the ult blessing, off. Yeah, Ugin blessing three times is basically the same thing as Liliana blessing three times. Like, and so Liliana's downtick is more powerful in like the creature matchups, but like Ugin's downtick has like text in the Simic Nexus matchup. It has text mm-hmm. in the mirror. Like, if you're playing Esper, like, it does a lot. Yeah. I was I was thinking about this um, yesterday or today. I was watching someone stream uh, Grixis Control, and I can't remember who it was. But their opponent played an Ugin. I'm like, you know, we get Ugin's abilities. I'm like, sweet, we can downtick and destroy Ugin. I'm like, wait, no, we can't because Ugin's colorless. Yep. I'm like, oh, wait, Bolas literally just down takes to destroy a creature, any- uh, you know, creature or planeswalker anyway. I'm like, I'm just an idiot. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just an idiot. Ugin, Ugin doesn't protect himself if there's a Bolas on the field because Bolas just eats it anyway. <laughs> exactly. But the thing the thing to remember is you can't use Ugin to get him. <laughs> you Ugin. can't use Ugin's ability to destroy you Ugin. You can't use Ugin to get Ugin. It doesn't work. So, um, what else do we have from top eight? Is there anything else really sweet? Uh, There's the Bant, the Bant flash deck. Where is that at? Which Here one? Here we go. Harlan Fuhrer's list. Okay. This deck is hot. So, we have four Vivian Champion of the Wilds, which gives all your creatures flash. Heck yeah. Alongside, uh, like, Shalai to protect your creatures. God Eternal Alketra to generate copious amounts of value. Just all the dudes. Um, Night of Autumn, Hydroid Crisis. Flashing in Hydroid Crisis is a thing of beauty. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. And, like, because you're already, like, playing this Flash-style deck, Thrilled Mystic is just, like, you know, uh, uh, just, like, insane, because... <coughs> Don't die on me. A frilled mystic is just insane because you get to leave up mana anyway, and your opponent just has no idea what you have. Because at four mana, you could have Shalai, you could have like a Knight of Autumn, you could just have frilled mystic. Who knows? You know, there's there's so many different things you can actually do that your opponent can't play around everything. Yeah. Like, I have this removal spell. Do they have Shalai? Do they have frilled mystic? Like, what is going on here? You're like, well, actually, I have both, so it doesn't really matter. Gotcha. Oh, you you want to play, like, an actual permanent that's a threat? All right, deputy detention it. There's, and, like, <clears throat> the sweetest line is you get to instep uh, a Ketra, then untap and do your thing. 
And, like, that line is just bonkers. Yeah. It's just insane. Because Oketra doesn't generate value on her own, but if you get to untap with her, it just does everything you need it to. Yep. So this is... I haven't played with this list yet, but man, does it it get me all kinds of excited everywhere. (laughs) Uh, Looking through the rest of it past top eight, Simic Nexus. I remember hearing someone say Simic Nexus, like, over the weekend was the top meta shared deck. It was uh, the highest, the the most played deck in day two. Yeah. Do you remember the percentage? Which I believe it also had the highest conversion rate between day one and day two. That's insane. And then it has zero copies in top eight. See, I feel like that's understandable. Because Simic Nexus had to fight all the Mono Red. And Mono Red was the second most played deck in the, in the weekend. And Mono Red, just, Mono Red just likes to see those decks where it's like, well, play this tap land, play this untapped land growth spiral on two. It's like, okay, one drop, one drop, three you, three you, attack for four. <laughs> so... Civic Nexus not having any in the top eight. I'm like, I'm not too worried about it, like, just being pushed completely out of the meta yet, but it, it does yeah, need I, to adapt a little bit. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Wilderness Reclamation was a mistake. Oh, we know that. I, I legitimately think that card is going to be banned in its standard lifetime. It probably will be. Here. It, it just does everything. It really does. Like, Nexus is a 7-mana time walk. Like, that's expensive, and, like, it's an instant, and there's obviously various problems that Nexus of Fate has by itself. But the fact that you get to cast it ahead of schedule with Wilderness Reclamation, you get multiple activations with your Ascanta, like, and, and now that you have Cameo, you're immune to discard spells as well. And, like, it, it just... Wilderness Reclamation is insane. Uh, new and Tamiya was a very big help for the Simic Nexus deck. Um, it's... Uh, I know the day it came online, War War came online, I played with the Nexus deck, and I'm just like, this is miles better than anything I'm playing against. And I... I hate the fact that they've moved to exactly one callous dismissal to win the game. Because, like, I'm I'm cheeky, and it will take forever to kill my opponent when I'm going off. But, man, that's that's some dedication. Um, like, I know, I had, I've only played against Civic Nexus once. It was in a, construct, in a constructed event and I, with the deck I was playing. They'd like, I just made them play through it. I made, I just sat here and I went and got a drink and made them go through all the turns and they were callous dismissaling their Tamiya to pick up callous dismissal, trying to make this real big dude. I had a bunch of untapped mana still. I'm just like, well, does Tyrant scorn your token away? Because <laughs> 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 they had tapped out. They played to do all this stuff to make it as big as possible. I'm like, well, pick it up. All right, pick it up. Now you can do it all over again. Proceed with the rest of your turns. Enjoy. I walked away. They, I came back. They had done it again in like 10 minutes later. And then I, uh, after sideboard, I beat them in less than 10 minutes. Both games two and three. Just oh, my <laughs> Lord. 
just sweeped it. So the deck so, has some faults for sure. It, it does. I will admit that. Um, you're you're very weak to uh, the aggressive decks game one, and like I like you have root snare, but like man fog is just not good. Yeah, root snare doesn't do a whole lot fog, when they're two mana fog is also just not good. Yeah, it doesn't do a whole lot when they're just like here's my dudes that you can't deal with because you don't play board wipes. <laughs> so, uh, like you also have a really big problem against like. Specifically, Narset and three mana Teferi. Yeah. Like, both of those cards are just insane against you. Yep. Um, and, like, generic counterspells are just fine. Like, granted, Tamio says, yeah, sure, whatever, I'll pick it up and do it over again next turn. But, like, that still buys you time. Yep. So, like, game one is really hard against uh, Simic, in my experience with Esper. Uh, and then game two and three, when you actually have like actual threats in in like Thief of Sandy or whatever whatever your go to threat is, you can just beat them to death. Um, my big problem with Simic decks is playing against it is post board you have no idea what they're doing. You know they could they could beat this Nexus deck and chill and still just beat you to death, or they could sideboard in the Explore package and now they're this green blue mid range deck that may eventually take an extra turn or something. Yeah. I've I've seen a lot of things out of the sideboard from them, and I have no idea what the correct one is. And I have no idea how to sideboard with this deck. <laughs> that's th- that's the reason I'm not gonna play it at Kansas City, is because I just I don't know what I'm doing with it. Like, I can take all the turns and everything. That part that part's easy. I can take infinite turns. Yeah. I don't know what to do post word against hate though. Um, looking at the sideboard specific nexus, a lot of it's just like, here's this biogenic ooze, here's this other big goofy threat. I'm like, and, and that's just, that's not enough, I don't, I feel like. I actually, um, I, I kind of, I kind of touched on it about the explore package. That actually seems really sweet. Just like sideboarding in 12 creatures and just be like, all right, now I have actual game against the aggro decks too, because like I can actually gain life and stuff. And like actually beat you to death. So I, I don't know what the correct line is. I don't know what's actually good, but it could be fine either way. I don't know, man. Mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that for someone else to figure out. And when the time comes, I'll just steal someone's sideboard guide. <laughs> I'm I'm looking through all the deck lists. In 113th place, there's this list uh, labeled Orzov Knights. Uh, the the deck plays a total of 10 knights and then four history banalia. Which is kind of... Sure. I'm just like, here's a Sarah for the scales. Why is this in here? (laughs) But but my Gideon. But my Gideon, exactly. Like, why are we playing Sarah for the scales? Like, we have Gideon and we can play um, Soren. Soren instead of Liliana in this list seems really hot. Uh, I've been going through all the white-black Orzov aggro lists, and essentially they're the Azorius aggro lists, except swap all the blue cards for black cards. I could get behind that. They get uh, D-Spark, which is really cute. Um, 
they get duress, which helps against these control matchups a little bit better than the negate probably does. Um, and then they I, get to, and then they get to play Soren in the main board. I had a a um, I think it was yesterday when I was streaming. I had a black white aristocrats opponent revival a creature. Oh, that uh, sounds hot! It was it was devastating. I hated it. <laughs> oh, I, I found the I found the revival list. Yeah, uh, down here at ninety seventh, uh, Austin Snide has four revival in his uh, black white aristocrats deck, and this this deck very very quickly beat me to death. It looks like it could do that. Everything has afterlife, and it's just like super cheap, and they don't care. Yeah, I, with... I really like this list. You know what's really good against this list, though? Cry of the Carnarium? Heck yeah. <laughs> Sword G- can't generic buy them back. removal spell? Sword can't buy them back if they're exiled, so. So. Uh, what else? What else was really interesting over the weekend? Lots um, of gruel, um, a handful of feather decks. I know there was one in the top eight of the classic. I was gonna which say, seemed, which seemed really cool. Um, I actually got to talk to Drew a little bit about this. Uh, the the guy who top eighted the classic, who he said that his main deck was really really good. And his sideboard was just garbage and would redo his entire sideboard. <laughs> so, I can see that. Uh, it, like, getting to uh, Colossus, my Dreadhorde Arcanist, attack, and then Colossus, my 10th District Legionnaire, is so much damage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and it all has trample for some reason. Uh, I'm looking at the seventh place list of the classic uh, Mardu Judith from Justin Parnell. This yep. is pretty much the white black, except we get awesome cards like Dreadhorde Butcher and Fireblade Artist. So I played against this yesterday when I was streaming too, and to be honest, the red cards really didn't add that much to it. Like Judith is just a powerhouse and can beat people to death very quickly, but if it was up to me. I would just be black white. Um, the only I, I red think... cards I would consider are like maybe Dreadhorde Butcher. Like that's the only that card, card is I'd... insane. Like that's the only card I'd want red for besides Judith is Dreadhorde Butcher. Maybe and, and my... maybe we can just cut down on the red cards then. It'd just be black white splashing Butcher and Judith. Uh, we just get rid of these Fireblade artists. We cut these Grim Initiates. Uh, get like these... Footlight Fiend is technically. It is a um, black card that you can cast off a Sacred Foundry, I guess. Um, I was trying to think of what their black... What's the one black drop? What's the kitty cat? The one drop? Oh, uh, the Dread Hound. Malkin. Yeah, that thing. Not, the say. three mana sack of creature. Yeah. Yeah, Dread Malkin. That, I would play that over Footlight Fiend, in my opinion. That card's really, really powerful. And then you can call it Aristocats. Which is just exactly. like A plus, A plus deck building. Exactly. I might work on that this week a little bit. There you go. There's something to do. I don't know, man. I've been I've been really satisfied with this uh, black green citadel deck. 
It is insane. It is really, really sweet. I'm surprised no one has actually tried to put this together yet. And we like, can get I, we can cut these gutter bones right out of this list. Oh yeah, they're they're unneeded. You don't need gutter bones. That card doesn't do anything. Like we can cut them, and even if we wanted that effect, we could just play reassembling skeleton. Exactly. They're basically the same card. It's just two mana to play it the first time, and then all we're doing with it is sacking it to stuff anyway. So. I mean, so the big difference here is gutter bones is a one drop, which helps lower your curve. And Gutter Bones has two power, so it can be more aggressive. Like, uh, there, the problem there are with definitely... that is, is it goes back to your hand. Assembly so Skeleton goes to the battlefield. Yeah, so it's it's three mana to bring it back and replay it. But, like, with Priest? I don't know, man. Maybe? You also have to make sure you have Spectacle turned on. This is, this is a question for Ryan. He's the Aristocrats guy. I'm just gonna die to this deck a lot, okay? I haven't because, had a problem with it, so... I mean, I haven't either, but... When it does its thing, it's very, very powerful. Yeah. I I just... I don't know how many of these red cards you actually need. Exactly. I think Butcher and Judith are, like, instant includes, and then everything after that I think you can, like, cut. I'm, I'm um, not as I really, I really like the Tibbles in the board. I really like the Tibbles in the board. Yeah, the red for the sideboard is fantastic. But like I don't, I don't think you need these shocks. No. I think like if you w- want a removal spell for like the mirror or whatever, you can play Moment of Craving. Yeah. Takotli Honor Guard also comes in against like Mono Red to shut off Chain Whirler and uh, Pyromancer. Plus, it can just reasonably block in that matchup. So I don't know. There's there's definitely something to work on here. Um, definitely something that I have next to no experience with playing. So I'm gonna I'm gonna work on this a little bit, I'm sure. Let's see here, what else is cool? Grixis control in the hands of Chris Johnson won the entire classic. Um Is this pretty much a straight up Nicol Bolas tribal? Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's seven or eight boluses. Eight uh, bolus. Eight boluses. Eight uh four Ravager, four Dragon God. I wanna cut these Lilianas for two more Ugans. I could get behind that. Or or like an Ugin and another Narset. Definitely, that. Need, definitely need more than I, two Narsets. I definitely, I definitely want at least three, if not four or five Narsets. Um, land do you base think my opponent fine. would do anything if I played the fifth Narset? <laughs> they gotta catch you first, Carter. So. Exactly. They're not gonna know unless they deck check me. <laughs> just don't win and you'll be fine. <laughs> See, it's okay. I just won't mark my sleeves and then I won't get caught. Exactly. <laughs> Is is a week a long enough time to start like joking about that? I feel like it's fine. <laughs> uh, I'm looking at this Bant Nexus list in second place. This seems fun. Yeah, this this is more up my alley. If I was to play a Bant, if I was to play a Nexus deck, I I just want to cast you know Teferi, and I really like Revitalize against the aggressive decks. I think we can cut the root, root snares and play uh, Ritual Rejuvenation, so we have more stabilization. Yeah. I don't know, maybe maybe a split is fine, because eventually they just go wide enough that Ritual isn't good. Now, I don't know. I'm looking at the 6th place, place list, and it reminds me a lot of Austin Collins' Demir Midrange. I'm pretty sure it's card for card. The exact same list. The actually. sideboard's not. The sideboard has an extra Keth in it. Um, but the, the 60 looks exactly the same. 
Well, let me get Austin's list open. Well, what's the cool part is I have them here. I can just look at them side by side. Dang it, you're not supposed to be prepared. You're supposed to let me do things. Yeah, they look exactly the same for the 60. The sideboard Kefnet is in place of third finale of Eternity. That seems fine. That seems 100% fine. I haven't been impressed with finality of Eternity as much as the next person. I, I don't think three is the correct number. I think if you're playing that kind of effect, you want like exactly one. Yeah. Like, it seems like a worse version of Cry in some cases. But, like, it scales better than Cry does in the late game. Yeah, it's, it scales better and has more... It's better against the green decks that everyone was expecting to be there, but didn't show up to play Magic for some reason. Like, I don't think I saw actual Sultai, like, factual, actual factual Sultai as much on camera. Um, I know there was a handful of copies of it in in day two, but I don't, I'm not sure exactly. I I didn't get to watch a lot a lot of coverage. I had to work on Sunday, unfortunately. So, um, looking at the open in forty first place, there is a mono blue aggro deck, right? Uh huh. And it looks like typical mono blue. You have your Merfolk Tricksters and your Terramanders and your God Eternal Kefnets and your Curious Obsessions. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, which part of that were you confused by? Back that up. God Eternal Kefnet is in the mono blue deck? It doesn't seem good with all your counter spells. It seems terrible when everything in your deck is blue blue. Blue. <laughs> or what in blue blue? What are and you like, casting off this thing? Here's, here's the thing I don't understand. Is they're playing exactly one charter course. So like, when Kefnet would be good is with charter course in this deck. And they're only playing one. Exactly. I, I, I'm confused. I'm just so confused uh, why they tried to play that in there. That's, that's why you're 41st, not first. So, uh, Kyle and I talked about overrated cards last week, right? Yeah. And our number one was God Eternal Kefnet. And I think it's because people were just playing it incorrectly for the first couple weeks. Like like that mono blue list we just saw. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't fit here, man. It doesn't really fit in the Grixis list either, if you want me to be honest. The Grixis like, lists are more of a Planeswalker mid-rangey style of gameplay where they have a lot of just Here's my Ravagers. Here's all my Planeswalkers. Kefna doesn't care about that stuff. Also in Grixis, you're taxed heavy on your mana costs. Yeah. If you want to play Bedevil, Kefna does nothing for Bedevil but give you an extra Bedevil. It doesn't make Which, it cheaper. Like, it doesn't make it better. It's just an extra You know bedevil. what it does make cheaper? Commence the endgame. I was, I was actually going to say Liliana's Triumph. I mean, makes it one cheaper, so that's not bad. I mean, that's still better than nothing. It makes Frosca's Contempt black-black, which is great. <laughs> so, uh, we we talked about uh, Austin Collins's Demir mid-range deck. And this deck is really, really sweet, man. Yeah, he top 32 like, the open with it. This, this is a Kefnet deck I'm scared of. Yeah. And, like, uh, Jeff Hoagland has played this a lot in the last couple weeks. Uh, maybe the last week or so. Um, 
and like even even the build that he's been playing and the build that Austin have been playing are like pretty different. Yeah. I know Jeff has Thief of Sanity main and Ritual uh Ritual of Soot, whereas Austin has Augur of Bolas and Cry of the Carnarium. And I mean there's various differences be past that too. Exactly. So um. I think you want to be this more spell based control deck, but a tap out control deck. Yeah. Uh, I've been playing this. This is my currently my favorite deck on Arena to play, and I have been tuning and tuning this deck like nonstop. You are a tap out control deck that just gets to play all these awesome cards that just your opponent has to deal with. Um, also four Narset in the main board. Narset's hot, man. Fantastic. Like you'll always have it. You'll always find a replacement. And it's just so good to have so many of that card because it's just so relevant in a, all these matchups. You know, um, it, it has text against mono red. Yeah. The fact that it shuts off risk factor means it's just fine. Um, like, there's basically no deck in this format I can think that it's a dead card against. Maybe mono white? Mono white is the one deck that it's not the greatest against, but the fact that Narstat still can, like, dig you cards to find your sweeper is so beneficial. And, like, even even if Narset just, like, replaces itself and they kill it, it still gained you at least three life then. Yeah. Like, that seems fine in that kind of matchup. Like, where, where you're just trying to find exactly what you're missing to get there. Yeah, that seems fine. I, I can get behind that. Um, in Austin Collins's list compared to Jeff Hoogland's list, the Augur of Bolas is great when you're playing so many Narset because you want to tick down Narset and find more stuff. Even if Augur of Bolas just becomes a 1-3 sit in front of this 2-2, block this 2-2 all the time, this is fine. Yeah, like, that's This is what fine. you want it to be doing. Like, Augur of Bolas is, it's like, there's enough spells that you'll hit I think it's like, I did the math, and I think it's like 63% of the time you'll hit because there's only 23 spells that it can touch. So as as much as I dislike Augur, Augur is just like, the, the type of deck that God Eternal Kefnat is good in, Augur is also going to be good in. Yeah. And like like you kind of were talking about before the cast, it just blocks for, uh, for Narset. Yeah, it just blocks Nars. It blocks for Narset. Uh, if you need something to turn into a four four, I have entered the God Eternals my own Augur of Bolas and turn. Yeah, it that into seems a 4/4. fine. That actually seems great because then you get to gain some life. You actually have a threat now. That's something I can get behind. Um, I have Vraska's Contempted my own Narset in response to them Vraska Contempting my Narset because I have Lethal on board and they decided to point it at my Planeswalker instead of my creatures. Nice. I have Moment of Craving my own tutus to draw the top cards off the top of my deck to find removal spells or to find counter spells that interact with the board. Uh, there's a lot of cool lines because you can just like with your Liliana or your Ugin, if Ugin flipped a removal spell underneath its tutu, you can Moment of Craving your own tutu to pick up that card to cast that card and you still gain two life. Um, I've think I've had four games against Mono Red where I'm down to like three or four life and I'm like 
I'm building my board state back up, and they're trying to top deck burn spells, and I'm just killing my own creatures to gain life. Yeah, that seems fine. Like, it's great. Um, the deck has really good matchups against Esper in my testing that I played with it. Um, Teferi isn't as good when you're a tap-out control deck and you tap out on your turn. Like, yep. cool, I get to play all my stuff at sorcery speed anyway. <laughs> Like, it's, sure, whatever. Like, these cast-downs and all these removal do nothing, but here's more threats for you to deal with. <laughs> like, can you beat it? Please say no. Um, I haven't got to play with Dreadhorde Invasion. Um, from what I've seen, it can be a decent card. Um, but I haven't got to play with it, so I don't know how well how good it is. I've been playing with Davriel. Davriel seems really sweet against the Esper decks, and yeah. I just like make you discard. Oh look, here's Thought Eraser as well, and here's Duress, and I just pick your hand apart, and now all you have is lands. Neat. <laughs> uh, I killed, I think I killed a Bant mid range opponent with Davriel on the board because <laughs> he just they were out of a hand. Davriel, shoot you for two. Okay, I'm gonna take that card out of your hand. Davriel, shoot you for two. Oh, you get to cast that? Let's kill that. Davriel, shoot you for two. <laughs> because they can't I, ever build I a hand back up. That. But blue-black is probably my favorite deck right now. It's got It has the most potential for changes and adaptations because a good list hasn't really been settled on. Like we said, mm-hmm. Hooglin's list is different than Austin's list. Vastly different, yeah. Like There's significant changes, and when your threat's your threats determine your sweepers and how those work. Um, Cry of the Canary was really good with Augurbolus. Augurbolus doesn't die to Cry of the Canary. Whereas Thief of Sanity would, and instead of doing that, we're just going to ritual a set and get all the three and lower because we could Finality of Eternity back our, thing, our Thief of Sanities that way. So it's, it's cool how your threats determine your spells that you want to play with um mm-hmm. i know austin uses cast down and cast down's cool and all but when they start playing legendary like permit like legendary creatures in front of you like other kefnets and um i had someone play demon lord belzadok and i had that seems... i had i had cast under my hand i'm like this does nothing <laughs> neat <laughs> So I'm playing Moment of Cravings, and it's been great in the mono white. It's great against the Dondo Vanguard. It's great against like all the little two twos and one ones for mono red. Yeah, that that um, just seems awesome. And and like I said, being able to kill your own two twos and gain two life, and then maybe draw a card if you have Liliana or Ugin as your two two, it helps out a lot. I can believe it, man. Um, also, one charter course, I cut that immediately. <laughs> yeah, it just seems. Out of place, kind of. I'm like, it, cool, it's two. If you flip it off Kefnet, it's a one mana draw two pitched card. Um, I haven't seen a reason to point the second half of God Eternals at myself. I've seen a lot of people do that, and I haven't figured out a reason why you shouldn't point at your opponent. Yeah, I am unsure, man. With finality I, I am of eternity, unsure as makes, to why. With a finality of eternity, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. But... You're, the most it's going to do is pick up a Kefnet. Like, hmm. 
I don't. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, also, I'm I've, not a I've fan definitely of have though. seen people been doing it, but I don't know why. Maybe they just really don't want those cards. I don't know. I don't know, man. I thought about since they're pointing it at themselves, playing that four mana new Jace that. When you draw a card off the empty, the laboratory maniac chase. Yep. Playing that, I'm just like, this is really cute. <laughs> I'm off that it. That <laughs> seems really cute. Yeah. Um, I'm not a big fan of these unmoored egos. I think that card's unplayable in every format, man. Um, when modern was very like specific and you knew like what you were going to play against, unmoored ego was better. Uh, Modern's kind of opened up now, and there's so many other decks you can play now, and Unmoored Ego's kind of just garbage. Yep. Um, you played Green Black Citadel yesterday? Two days yeah, ago? the deck's, deck is really, really good, man. I'm sad we didn't see any of that anywhere. I, I just don't know if people are, like, ready for it. Like, I, I just don't know if people have figured out that it's, like, there, you know? Maybe? I don't know. I, I am very concerned because I think that card is very, very good. So, I'm surprised it hasn't been better. Like, hasn't... It didn't do anything over the weekend. Yeah. So, I don't know. Um, I am very interested in seeing how this format shapes up because I I think it's insane right now. Yeah, it's very wide open still. Like, um, Mono-Red mono won, but that's because it's Mono-Red. It's not because the format is warped to Mono-Red. Exactly. Mono-Red's just really good week one, and it takes time to people for people to tune their decks and figure them out. All right, so question for you. Might have an answer. How much limited have you played? Uh, I got a free draft off my pre-release kit, and then I've played two more. I didn't get okay. to go play Paper Limited last Friday because I stayed at home because we just got back and I fell asleep. Yep. <laughs> so um, what has been your experience with this format? A lot of bombs, a lot of big stuff that's just fun to cast. Um, someone passed me an Ugin in pack two. Well, that's just incorrect. Uh, which I, I immediately snatched that up because I can just cast that in anything. Ugin is literally the best card in limited. Um, in all my drafts, I think I went, I think I got two wins, and then I draw, I lost out. Um, my decks haven't like they haven't been fantastic, but they haven't been like terrible. I hmm. I know what the cards like, what cards are good and what cards are bad, and I know what I need to look for. Um, but but somehow everybody else's deck is always every time i play it every time i did a draft uh, i drafted esper the first time because i opened uh a lot of good blue black stuff and then i started mm -hmm. picking up white stuff just to fill out the sideboard and just like some extra stuff and every time i played again in a match i always got paired up against esper with my esper deck well then i played five rounds every round was against esper that's crazy like I, that is actually just crazy it gets better because i did an, i had an enough gems and i did another one mm -hmm. i drafted red green because i opened domri and vivian and 
all these red green good stuff. I played four rounds with that one, and I played red green four rounds in a row. <laughs> okay. I don't know what's going on with Arenas Limited. I don't understand how it's working or how it works, but they need to stop pairing me against the decks I drafted. <laughs> That's. <laughs> I just don't get it. It's kind of funny, I'm not going to lie. but No, it's hilarious, but I'm just like, why? Arena, let me just do draft and like play against actual people who draft. Yeah. Not someone who drafted the same colors I did. Agreed. I really want to do paper draft. I just... I, I do too, because my arena drafts have not been great. And I don't know if it's because I just suck at opening cards or or what. I don't know. I think this format's really sweet. The format's um, great. I haven't decided if I absolutely love it or if I absolutely hate it. <laughs> and, and like that's that's literally where I'm at with this format. It's either insane and I love it, or I can't stand it because it's so bomb heavy. Yeah. Um before we go, have you seen the Azorius Super Friends prison list? Yes. I don't think it's good. Um I know Zach Elsick played it at the uh he played it for the mcq on arena and played second with it and like that's what started it like being popular yeah and man i just don't think it's actually good i just think it's a pile i mean narset plus induced amnesia is pretty good like just like here's narset you didn't answer it okay here's induced amnesia lose your hand Uh, and then it's just like, here's Teferi, you can't play stuff at instant speed, here's... Here's Dovin to make your stuff cost more. Here's Dovin to tick all your stuff up, and if you had a threat, it does no damage now. Like, all yeah, it's I, just... I don't know, man, it's weird. It's, it's really weird, weird. and having a prison deck in standard is kind of odd. But it's not like your stereotypical prison deck. Um... Kinda, sorta, if if you look at it from how, like, Lantern Control isn't a, ter- a stereotypical prison deck, wasn't a stereotypical prison deck either. Uh, Lantern was more of, I'm just gonna mill everything that's important, and you can still play magic, but you're not gonna play the magic you want to be playing. Correct. This kind of fits in that same realm of, I'm just gonna try to stop to do you from playing actual magic, and make you play just, like, lands. Fair magic. Not even fair. Just here's all your lands. <laughs> you can you play get to those. Sit there while I get to exactly. sit here. <laughs> at um, least, at least with uh, with the Planeswalker Prison deck, you have like abilities like do things. I don't know, man. It it just doesn't seem very good to me. Yeah, but um. I don't know. It's it's definitely something that's been like ticking up in popularity. I just I don't know how I feel about it. It looks like a pile. It feels like a pile. Must be a pile. A pile is a pile is a pile. Yep. Um. What tournaments are coming up? Anything cute? So at the end of the month, we have uh, Grand Prix Kansas City. That's that's all I got. Uh, I, I, the I Syracuse Open. Anything. 
Syracuse Open is the week before the is two weeks before the GP. Uh, yes, I'm looking now. May eighteenth and nineteenth. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then the GP Casey is June first, and like it's technically June first and second, but you can show up on the thirty first and start doing yeah. stuff. That's side events and stuff. I'll be there all three days. You're going to be there? Is that what we heard? Um, I have asked for it off. I'm going to make sure I get the days off before whoop, I start whoop. getting everything figured out. But I have asked for it off, and we'll see if I get to go. Hell yeah. I would I would really like to go. I've never I'm, played I'm in, really, in a GP really like excited. that. Plus, when was the last time you actually registered a standard deck for anything? Um... Oath of the Gatewatch game day. Good lord. Where I split prizes with um, Kielty. Okay. I'll and then I was because so, I, I, I was so tired that I accidentally took the game day mat home. <laughs> um, they needed it for pictures and I accidentally had taken it home. Like I had because my stuff was sitting there and the game day mat was on top of it and I didn't. So you just move picked the mat. it up and called it a day. I just picked everything up and just put it on my back and went and went and got drug out to the car because I'd been up for however long it was because we had we had um, oath the gate watch game day and then there was like a modern buy a bo- uh, win a box event that night. Good lord, that's a long day. Uh, and the and before that I had been up doing finals and everything. So it's just like, I had been, I was fried at the end of the night and I accidentally walked off with the mat. (laughs) So I, so they didn't, they didn't get their pictures for game day winner until, uh, I think it was a week later when I came, when I dropped it off. (laughs) Oh man. So current, current opinion of standard. It's fun for now when everyone, when once it starts to get solved, I'll probably just like hop off of it and. I've I've really been enjoying it. I don't enjoy it when it's solved. I enjoy it right now when it's you can kind of play what you want, and if you know what to what you're playing against, you kind of have a better strategy. Yeah. Rather than okay, my opponent just has all these really hard to answer cards. My deck doesn't line up against any of it. I I don't even get to play Magic. Like. Yep. I understand that, man. So. So Is that going to do it this week? I guess. I think that'll do it for this week. All right, everyone. Um, thank you all for listening. This has been episode 19 of the Attack of Zero podcast. Um, you can find us on Twitter um, at CarterNoble25, at Musical underscore 33, and of course at Attack of Zero. Um, questions and comments you can always just send to us via email. If there's anything else you all want to hear, questions, comments, concerns about the podcast, send them our way. So um, thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Peace.